Well, good morning, Keith. Uh, hey, the thugs are back in town. The music rights guys that beat everybody up are back. Uh, there's no break for newspapers, Keith. It just, they don't get a break these days, no matter what. Nope. Beasley dumps 17 employees, and I'm wondering, does Q4 look really that bad? It must. So, good morning to everybody. We are back with another edition of Media Insultant. Our opinions, ideas, comments, and snarky off-the-cuff comments that we hope at some point will benefit the people in radio, TV, sales, and management. Not to sure that's our hope, will, but that's our hope. That's right. <laughs> that's our hope. <laughs> uh, in the Pacific Northwest, I'm Jackson Weaver, uh, where the uh, temperature has been unbelievable. It's 86 yesterday, and it's the middle of October. Go figure. You know, this, uh, this is uh, uh, a true Indian summer. Wait there you go. Can you call no, you it can't Indian say that. summer? It has no, to be. No, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a indigenous people's summer. An indigenous or an, an American Native American summer, maybe. Right. Either way, Either it's one. been it's been wonderful. Now, my co-host in Los Angeles is Keith Samuels, who knows good weather because that's all you get down there. We yeah. do this <laughs> each Tuesday and Friday. And so we'd like to welcome you today to Tuesday, October 18th episode of Media Insultant. Well, we're back from our warm weekend. The M's lost. Playoff hopes dashed here in Seattle, Keith. But the Hawks won, so that was good. How was your weekend? (laughs) <laughs> my gosh, you know, a, a heartbreaking loss for my Trojans in Salt Lake City over the weekend. Apparently, we don't play defense, so uh, losing 43-42 is a lot worse than losing 43 to nothing. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, you know, but uh, we actually, Jackson, you're talking about your 86-degree weather. We actually had rain over the weekend, so, uh, and if anybody watched the, uh, the Dodgers lose to the San Diego Padres, and there's nothing worse for Dodger fans and Los Angelinos than to lose to anything from San Diego. And so, you know, that was, but the end of the game, if you watched it, it was pouring rain. So, you know, we, 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 you know, we had, uh, I guess we're getting kind of this monsoonal flow from the Gulf and, uh, and yes, yeah, so we had a little rain. I mean, I, I couldn't even wash my car this weekend and, you know, that's a, a national pastime here in Southern California. All we do is just wash our cars every other day. Um, and, uh, I couldn't even do that this weekend. So, uh, oh gosh, my car isn't perfect. A, a sad story, Keith, a sad story. You're, you're truly ringing everyone who's watching or listening to this. You're I ringing know. their heart. I know. I know. All right, let's get on with Media Insultant, Keith. Um, as you know, the music we play on radio is licensed by the songwriters through P- what they call a PRO, which is a, a professional rights organization, BMI, ASCAP, CSEC, right? Now, okay, this all, is, the pe- all the people that Ed Stoltz didn't pay, right? That's right, that yeah, yeah, good point, okay. good point. This is for the music writers, for the songwriters, not for the musicians. So several years ago, a new PRO just kind of popped up out of the woodwork, a company called Global Music Rights, or what we will now call GMR. Okay. And they just kind of started hounding stations to pay these fees. They wouldn't give you any list of who they had. They said, we've got artists. If you don't pay these fees, we will be suing you. And they just hounded stations for fees that were often more 
than what BMI or ASCAP charged. In fact, I've got a friend who's got a station, and they were trying to charge him more for his news talk station, which plays no music, than for his <laughs> music stations. So they were just, as I said, I think GMR is a, is a bunch of thugs. So, okay. But historically, they, that's the way they operated. Lately, they've kind of come clean, and their website now lists the artists that they have signed. A lot of them are CHR artists, hip-hop artists, and so for a lot of radio stations, you just don't have any choice but to play their music. So, Okay. These organizations, though, as I say, represent the music writers, not the artists. And the radio music or the radio business kind of got ticked off at it. And they formed a company called or a group called RMLC, Radio Music Licensing Committee, to try and ha- you know, basically fight back GMR, at least work out a reasonable settlement. And okay. there's no sense in getting into the weeds. But basically, they reached a settlement, a payment plan for radio stations, and radio stations have reluctantly started to pay up. So except, what is, except, except, exactly, exactly. So what does G, GMR do? They decide they're going to play hardball, and they sued three groups for copyright infringement, and these are three radio groups that you've never heard of. Okay, You're, you're right. I'd never heard of these radio groups, and I've known, well, you and I know between the two of us, every radio group. Well, I ever ever uh, it ever existed, <laughs> and well, we've worked for most of them. <laughs> we, <laughs> yes, we or been fired from most of them. <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah, it's one putt broadcasting, Red Wolf broadcasting, and Southern Stone. And the thing that's really hard is in the fine print of the agreement that GMR worked out. Damages are one hundred and fifty thousand dollars per play. Every time you play a unlicensed song that's in their catalog, you owe them another hundred and fifty thousand dollars. What? What's really amazing is they can go to court and get this without proving any damages. They don't have to prove damage. You know, normally you sue somebody, you say, "Well, he, you know, he ran into my car and he banged right. up the front end, and so I've got five thousand dollars in damage." Well, you don't even have to prove damages in this case. So, it's yeah, it's it it's and you know the thing is is that is they've been browbeating the business for so long. And, you know, we can get into some of the specifics of board membership and that kind of thing in another podcast. But at the end of the day, what's hard for me to believe and hard for my radio friends to take in is it's just one more slice. Radio's kind of being cut up, being killed one thin slice at a time. Yeah, death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Death by a thousand cuts. So, what are these? What are these companies going to do, Jackson? If they've sued these guys and they're they, they and they're they're saying that they owe them one hundred and fifty thousand dollars every time they play what a Bruno Mars song or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what is what's their recourse? Can they can they sue back? Can they go? We're not paying. You know, f you. What happens next? Well, as you know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't even play one on TV. <laughs> But I do think that what they'll do is they'll use it to just reach an out-of-court settlement. These companies obviously don't have the money to pay $20 million in damages. But what GMR is doing is firing a big gun, a big shot across the bow of the radio industry saying, pay up and pay up now or you're going to end up in court and your legal fees are going to exceed your annual revenue by a big multiple. So, okay. You know, it, it's a, it's an in, an interesting time, but as as I said, for the radio operators, it's kind of, kind of a tough thing for them to work with. But as a friend of mine said one day when we were at a conference, he said, "You think it's tough in the radio business? Be glad you're not a newspaper." <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. And you know this as well as I do. You know, why have the newspapers been hit so hard? When, what is it about print that hurts so hard? You've done quite a bit of work with newspapers. What, what mistakes are they making or what, what inevitable things are happening in the newspaper business, in your opinion? Yeah, well, it's, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, you've seen a lot of consolidation in newspapers. And that that has led to um, you know all these papers being purchased, these companies being purchased, and what do the guys that come in and buy them do? Slash costs, slash costs wherever they can because the the uh, the labor expense and the pension obligations are so overwhelming that they have to cut somewhere, and a lot of those cuts come from advertising and the marketing side of the of the business. That combined with this kind of natural outflow, this, this 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 destruction of newspaper readership, is that their subscription revenue was so critical for, you know, what a cent over a century. I mean, some papers go back 250 years. Uh, you know, so their subscription revenue was just so important, and now that's declined so seriously that they can't make it up with ad revenue, and now they're trying to make it all up with digital subscription revenue. Well, those digital subscriptions are a fraction of what it used to cost to get the paper thrown on your front porch every morning. I pay three times as much for a paper delivery of the Wall Street Journal than I do for the digital subscription I have to the Wall Street Journal. So that on a local daily newspaper is brutal. But what you're really now seeing is that you're seeing a decline now in the visitation, the digital traffic that these newspaper websites have. Because they've all got their paywalls up, <clears throat> they all—the only way you're going to read the story on the, you know, the Los Angeles Times, you get free, you get four free stories a month to watch, and the rest of the time you got to pay, you got to, you got to subscribe. So, the market—they've been really clumsy, I think, in in attracting digital subscribers. Now, the national newspapers have done really well. The Journal, the New York Times, Washington Post have done extremely well in garnering digital subscriptions. But those but are the not exceptions. So but those, those are the, are the exceptions. exceptions. We really your have local three daily, exceptions. Yeah. Right. Your local daily is not as successful. And if they are getting digital subscriptions, it's at a fraction of what they used to get for the paper subscriptions. So there, there's no revenue growth anywhere. And now with the digital traffic down, they can't get higher ad rates for their digital ads, which they're all trying to sell like crazy. Videos, gateway ads, you know, all this stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a death cycle. It really is really a, a death struggle. Well, and, you know, the other thing that I think has had an enormous impact on newspapers, which is systemic, is remember how much business they used to get from classifieds. Oh, you yeah. Know, that was probably half their cash flow, and that just has completely dried up. So, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, you know, we can sit around in radio or TV and be a little smug. You know, we're, you know, we're struggling with revenue, but uh, this is a contagion. You know, this is just a canary in the coal mine for what radio and tv are going to go through if we don't keep our act together and brings up a real key question keith why does somebody go to a radio or a television station's website what's the content there that they that they need to enter a contest to uh uh see what djs come, what song they're playing right now no I don't know of any reason to go to it. Well, you know, there is no reason. I mean, if you're going to go do anything digitally with, a, let's say, any radio station, you're going to go to one of the, the apps that you've got where you can listen to the station on your phone. So, you know, uh, you'll go to iHeart or whatever, Odyssey's version, radio.com or whatever it is, and then at, at, or 
and, and listen there. But or you're you're going to go in your car, but you're never. But what, you, there's no reason to go to the website now. A, a television news station, a television news, a television station is going to put up a bunch of local news. They've got local content yeah. on a story that you want to go see. So yeah, they do. If if there's something happening in L.A., the the the, uh, the uh, helicopters are circling over my part of town. I'm going to a local TV station to see if one of those copters is theirs and what the story is, what the hell's going on. You know, do I need to, you know, is there a fire? Is there a, you know, riot? Is there a, you know, road closure? Uh, you know, I need to know. And that, they're pretty good at that. They're live streaming a lot of that content. Um, and and that, that that has some worthwhile part of it. But I'm never going to like the website to look around. I'm just going to find the live video feed so I can see what's happening. Um, and, you know, and by the way, if there's a gateway ad, I'm you know I'm going to the next station. I'm pissed off. I need the story right now. I don't have time to wait for two or three uh, thirty second spots there. The interesting thing is is that while we can talk about content on the website, more and more buying of digital media is programmatic. So if you're selling digital, you probably ought to be selling programmatic digital that's targeted at your audience, not just through your own website. So. I think programmatic right. is going to is going to displace almost all of this buying at uh, some yeah. Point so so our local future. sellers now are becoming programmatic reps to try yep. to get you to use the the, the programmatic platform sure. that their parent their parent company owns. Yeah, just like saying you know, you know or or not, they don't have to use their own. They can they they can there are all kinds of places you can buy digital programmatic right. inventory. So okay, a client wants to reach you know people in these zip codes and this demographic. In this income level, and you know, probably a couple of other criteria, and that's a real easy thing to add to the radio buy. So, I think you know, if if anything, what we're seeing with this is that that the websites have less value as time goes forward. Well, and 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 sadly, along with that are the local reps because it's all about uh, you know national, digital, and uh, uh, and programmatic. Yeah. And so you know the, the local guys are yeah if you can if you can get some local orders that's fine you know great knock yourself out kiddo but it's not the it's not the future. So it looks like Q four is at least for Beasley not not turning out very well in terms of their projections. You had talked about the fact that they let a batch of people go and Beasley's not a particularly big company, so this is a substantial cut. What what did they do and why? Well, you know, they're they're Beasley's a pretty kind of a mid-sized radio group owner with some, you know, real strong markets. I mean, they're in Tampa, Boston, Philadelphia, Las Vegas, Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, while it's a, a, a medium to small-sized group in terms of number of markets, they're nowhere near the size of Odyssey or Intercom. I'm sorry, or or uh, iHeart. But they are they are they you know, they've got some big markets and they do pretty well in most of them. At least I thought, but a week ago this is now almost two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, they let go, from my count, 17 on-air and programming folks in a week. Um, you know, one in Vegas, four in Philadelphia, seven in Boston, three in Tampa, one in Detroit, one in Somerset, Union, Middlesex. You know, uh, you know so again, that's a, that's, that's a big number for a company that small. Right, right. And, and, and and it does say that that either third quarter third quarter is weaker than they thought. Political's not coming in like they thought, or there's been some pullback on political. And fourth quarter obviously wasn't pacing very well either. And we're in fourth quarter right now. Um, you know, you add this to the fact that they're based in Fort Myers, 
So, you know, Fort Myers took the, the got cr- destroyed by Hurricane Ian, and that's their headquarters. They've got a station cluster there. Uh, so that those stations have been, you know, have been basically put out of business because the local economy doesn't exist or is very, very small right now. So it's not like you can run a lot of ads to get everybody back in business. So you have that plus the recession looming. We're already in the recession technically, but it's going to really impact things. So um, not a good sign for Beasley that they, they've made, that they made these cuts. And these aren't significant. These are like assistant program directors. This is program directors. This is on-air staff. I mean, these are people they probably did not want to let go, but but they had to. Now, I haven't seen anything happen on the sales side uh, yet. But, or on uh, the management you know, that, that, side, right? Yeah, or the management side. But, you know, that's likely the next thing to drop is that they were clearing house. And these these moves happened immediately after Ian. So these this was in the works before there was a hurricane hitting Fort Myers. Yeah. <clears throat> you notice they didn't cut anybody in Fort Myers. So maybe this is a way to, you know, oh, bless their hearts because my yeah, goodness. Yeah, you know, make just, up just make up for the for the revenue they're going to lose in Fort Myers. Okay. Yeah. One final uh, thing before we uh, get out of here. You and I were talking about a guy by the name of of Drew Lauder in Atlanta. He was an iHeart market manager who well, let's say he said some indiscreet things and was recorded saying so. What's the story there? Well, the story is is that uh, the Drew Lauder, who was the uh, regional president for iHeart in Atlanta, so I'm assuming that meant responsibility over other markets in the in the in the state and in the region as well. He was recorded a year ago, and this recording came to light and was given to WSB TV, a Cox television station in Atlanta, and the reporter was doing some investigative work on this and and was digging around to figure out. What happened? Why wasn't this guy uh, fired a year ago for this offense? Uh, these racist comments and this and groping. You know, they're coming back from some charity event, some fundraiser. He's got a ball cap on and a t-shirt, and everybody's having a you know he's goofballing in the car, and uh, apparently you know said a said a few really offensive words, including repeated use of the N word. That's always a, a, a smart thing to do if you're a leader of, uh, of, a, of a big radio cluster in Atlanta, uh, to even <laughs> think that, even, but not to say it. Um, in any case, um, uh, so nothing happened, apparently, for a year. Apparently, he was under investigation. Uh, but the video surfaced, and that blew it all up, and he was immediately uh, shown the door, and out he goes. And uh, I was reading one of the uh, radio discussion boards over the weekend and to see if there was any local comments in Atlanta from radio fans and geeks in, in Atlanta. And sure enough, at the end of this string, announcing this news and people in Atlanta talking about it on this radio blog, one guy pops up and says, you know what? I heard that he and Pittman are really good friends and that uh, they're kids, they're godparents to each other's kids. And I'm kind of going, oh, really? So I don't know. Drew started at iHeart in Madison, Wisconsin in 2019. His first job in radio was iHeart Market Manager, Madison, Wisconsin, 2019. He gets promoted to regional president in, in Atlanta in 2020. So he paid his dues in Madison for a year. They put him into Atlanta and in 2020, and a year later, he's popping off in the back of a car with this kind of obnoxious behavior and language. And then a year after that, he's fired in 2022. So there, we'll pay tribute to Drew Lauder's exceptional three years in radio. Nice job, big guy. Well, 
I, the, the, the final, my final word on that is, as yours is too, is seriously, how smart do you have to be to not say any of this stuff? I, you know, if, if you think yeah, that, fine. Just, but, you know, in this day and age, you simply can't do anything. And to your point, when we were talking about this earlier, everybody's got an iPhone or a phone. So every, it's easy to record, you know. Yep, you're, you're never, the mic is always hot. The mic is always so. hot, and, and it was really a dumb shit move on his part, and it uh, really speaks to a lot of immaturity, and hopefully um, it hasn't hurt Atlanta too bad. All right, got to get out of here. We have had a fabulous show, of course. Why don't we do this again Friday? Friday, okay, we want to talk, <laughs> talk about uh, Facebook being, interestingly, the last port in the political storm. Only Facebook's going to be accepting political advertising this year on the digital side of things. So I want to talk a little bit about that and the impact uh, that might have on local media and the political scene in your community. And Netflix launches their, their ad-supported tier. We're going to dive into that. That's big news. That is big news. Good point. Media Insultant drops new shows each Tuesday and Friday. And we're on all the podcasting platforms, as well as a video at uh, the Media Insultant Showcase on Vimeo for production of InTown Media. And we love any of your comments, Jackson at InTownMedia.com. We'll be back on Friday. Keith, I will see you then. See you then, Jackson. Stay cool. <laughs>